Sorry about it being so cold in here again. I actually communicated with the head of facilities for the entire district, and he apologized. He said the heater was broken last week, but they fixed it, and it will be hot today. I just want to say God is always faithful to his promises, and that is where we put our trust. We need some heat, Lord. Help us. So, snuggle up if you know the prayer next time. And let's jump in. Let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to open us up today to a topic that is so hard to preach on because there's nothing on earth that you, we can compare it to. And so it takes the Holy Spirit to open our understanding to what we're going to talk about today. So let's pray together on this and sincerely ask Him to help. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. You are the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. You're the Spirit of truth. And Jesus promised that you would guide all of us into all the truth. So we're depending on you. Open all of us up today. Those that got born again yesterday and those that got born again 100 years ago, we all need more revelation of God. And you are the only one that can give it to us. So we welcome you here today. May God's word come alive in us in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted. Amen. All right. So I'm going to talk to you. A supernatural love. We're still in the faith series. We walk by faith, not by sight. We are not a people who, are, who live our lives, well, let me say this. We are not a people that should be living our lives by the five physical senses alone, nor should the five physical sense realm be the final authority in what we believe. We are to be a people of faith that live by faith in the Word of God, which is many times completely opposite of what we are experiencing in the natural. So if we believe, if, if, uh, if, the, if calculations and our deductions of our sum total ends up being what we can see, feel, taste here in the natural, we are not walking by faith. It's when we... Don't deny the natural, but we recognize the natural. But there's a higher reality that we know of, and that is the word and the promises and the faithfulness of God. And so you can look like a fool. You can look hyper when you say, oh, no, I'm not denying the natural. It's just that I believe a superior realm, and that is what I'm believing. When you walk like that, you're walking by faith, the same kind of faith Jesus walked by. But those around you who are walking only by the five physical senses will call you a freak, a fanatic, a Jesus freak, one of those hyper-faith people, when actually you're just walking like Jesus. Can I hear an amen? amen? Okay. So one of these things that we need to walk in faith for, and that is the supernatural love of God. Last week, I preached a message called Faith Works by Love, and that is that when we see somebody suffering, our compassion for that person, like Christ, moves us, and we want to see them healed, saved, delivered, and we exercise our faith on behalf of someone else. That's faith works because of love. We saw that this week. Thank God, this weekend I did not have to do a service for Mary Paplava. 
because although one of her arteries was 100% blocked and another artery was 96% blocked, immediately her need was put out on the prayer chain and the, the spiritual community went to battle for her and it is miraculous that she was at 9.30 pre-service prayer today declaring the kingdom of God come here today. Those are the kind of intercessors that I am so thankful for. She's down here. When death was arrested, my life began. She was right down here with her tambourine. Did you see her going, yeah, yeah. You know, she's supposed to be, according to the devil, in heaven right now waiting for the rest of us. But no, she's in church. Declaring his kingdom come. Our, our, our faith was released to our compassion for her. Faith works by love. Today, I want to reverse that and say the, the converse is true as well, and that is this. Love works by faith. Now, what does that mean? Love works by faith. As we exercise our faith in the love of God for ourselves, the power of his love begins to be released in and through us. I'm going to say that again. When you release your faith that Jesus loves you completely and deeply and unreservedly, unbridled, unreasonably, when you release your faith in that, what happens is, the love of Christ that is already resident within you gets released in you, and your faith then literally explodes out of you. Because the faith that's already in you, as you come to Christ, he injects into you a measure of faith that can move mountains. It's not always that you're trying to get faith out here somewhere, trying to get faith that's in heaven and trying to get a hold of it. There is already mountain-moving faith inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. But it's like somebody put a big boulder on the mouth of, the, of a well. It's like somebody is like a garden hose. You know how you have that nozzle and you can push the lever or like a fire hose. You push the lever and there's like this, this, this water and the pressure that wants to come out, but you shut it off. What happens is when you get in touch with the love of Christ for you, it's like you open, you pull back that lever and the water, the pressure charging, poof, it comes shooting out. That's what happens when you get in touch with the love of Christ for you. It removes fear, doubt, and unbelief, and the faith that's resident within you comes exploding out. And that's not preaching, that's Bible. I got a great testimony that is a great demonstration of this from last Sunday. At the end of the service last Sunday, when I began teaching on the love of Christ, I said, let God love you. Just go ahead and let him love you anyway. That's one of my favorite phrases for me. God, I'm just going to let you love me anyway. And as we stood and we prayed that prayer, there was a person here, Jessica, who's sitting in the service today, uh, Phil and Christina Williams' daughter, and she, uh, and I had a word of knowledge that somebody here is having severe panic attacks where you're like you wake up in the middle of the night, you have this anxiety rushing through, you can't do anything about it, it's overwhelming you, and uh, if you need prayer, please come down front. And so she was sitting in her chair, and she said that the devil said that, well, I'll just read her testimony. How about that? So she wrote this to me. For as long as I can remember, I've had major anxiety, some days worse than others. It was just getting worse and worse. It's a good day, 
if I only have two or three major attacks. Now that's demonic. I slept five hours without waking up in a panic. I was happy. I don't know how to say how bad it really was. Just that my anxiety was out of control. And I felt I would never get it under control. Last Sunday before church, I was talking to Christy, and I mentioned my anxiety getting worse and how Yanni, her three-year-old son, has realized when I'm having an attack and he helps me cope, sweet but sad, because he's only three. I sat down and listened to the service. At the end, Pastor John said, there's someone suffering from anxiety attacks. My first thought was, Jess, he isn't talking about you. Sit down and just stay quiet. Now, who was that? That's the enemy. That was the enemy speaking to her. He's talking about someone with worse anxiety than you. So all I could do was hug my dad tight. That moment I felt okay and loved, but then I got this thought, quote, let me love you like that. Let me hold you like that. Now, who was that? I wasn't the devil. Let me catch my place here. So I decided to go to the front and get prayed for. When he was praying for me, uh, the, the person in the prayer team, I took this deep breath, and then I felt like all this weight was lifted off, and like I was light as a feather. See, that was oppression. That was spiritual oppression. After service, I got Yanni, and I went on with my day, and then with my week. It's now Thursday, and I have not had one anxiety attack. Not one panic attack. Nothing. I wake up with peace, and I sleep peacefully. I had this urge to tell someone, so I told my dad. He was the only... Uh, he. he I told my dad he was the one who said, I'm supposed to give God all the glory. Even now, as I write this to you, I feel kind of weird because I guess I'm still shocked that God loves me this much. Also, even sharing my personal life used to give me anxiety. I guess when you asked me to share, I was worried I would have an anxiety attack over something so small like sharing this, and I just didn't want it to come back. Everybody fears that it'll come back. If and when it comes back, just rebuke it. Rebuke it when it comes back. Satan attacked Jesus three times. He attacked him. Jesus rebuked him. He came back. So when you say, well, it came back, so it must not have been God's will for me to be healed. Well, who healed you the first time? You see, you got you to gotta contend for the kingdom. Don't let the devil rip you off. Jesus rebuked Satan three times, and then it went away. And so uh, she says, I didn't want it to come back. Well, nope, nothing. It's my lunch break, and I'm still feeling peace. <laughs> and here's what I love. The person that prayed for her, she said it was a guy with a veteran's cap on. Hmm, I wonder who that would be. Well, the only person with a veteran's cap around here is Al, who was in the Vietnam War. And Al, a number of months ago, uh, thought that his time was over. He was just going to sit at home and not even come to church and just wait until he died. And I took him out to lunch and rebuked him. And now he's the first one to pre-service prayer every Sunday morning. We had 30 people here this morning. Please come at 930 for pre-service prayer. It's so good. 
and he's in pre-service prayer. He's in the prayer teams, and he's the one that laid hands on her, and she was healed. This is how it's supposed to work. And he walks without a cane, which is his other testimony. Well, he was praying for somebody else to get healed, and the power of God flowed through him and healed his knees. That happened just a few weeks ago. That's what I mean by love works by faith. It took faith for Jessica to get out of her seat and come down front to be prayed for, believing that Jesus loved her. She heard his voice. Let me love you like that. Like your dad's holding you, let me love you like that. She heard his voice. She obeyed his voice. She believed his voice, obeyed his voice, and now she's delivered from that demonic oppression. That's how faith works. So love works by faith. Why? Look at this powerful scripture in the Bible, 1 John 4, 18 and 19. It's on the back of our Gathering Place t-shirts. There is no fear in love. But perfect love, understanding how much God loves us, understanding it, which we're going to talk about today, casts out all, casts out all fear. Love casts out all fear. Because fear involves torment. How many can say amen to that? But he who fears perfect in love or does not understand fully how much God's in love with her. We love him because he first loved us. See, that's where, that's Christianity. I experience the love of Christ and his love sets me free and I can't help but love him back. Now that is Christianity. When we have faith in Jesus, a supernatural, unconditional, unlimited, unbridled, unreasonable love, fear is removed and faith is released. See, fear is rooted in unbelief. See, fear is faith in the negative. Fear is believing bad things are going to happen to me. In fact, I have a whole history to prove to you that bad things are going to happen to me. They happened back then, they're going to happen in the future. That is faith in the negative. It really is. Fear is faith in the negative. That's why when we feed our fears with Negative information, horror stories, horror movies, commercials. It's flu season, and these commercials come on television and tell us, hey, men, if you're over 50, guess what's about to happen to you? It's flu season. Guess, what's gonna, well, guess what you're going to catch? Oh, I caught the flu. Well, put your mitt away. Yeah, the, these commercials... One after the other, after the other, after the other. Now, they're, they're, it's natural information about reality in the natural. Mark, you said something last week, and I'm going to challenge the scientists and the lawyers and the doctors in here today. I want to say to you, you should be the most, you should be leading the body of Christ in faith. Here's why. Mark said last week that it was hard for him as a lawyer. We had lunch, and I told him I was going to say this, and he's okay with it said, I need evidence. So faith is hard because I need evidence. I'm evidence. I'm trained that the evidence, scientists, my wife's a scientist, I have evidence is what we go by. Oh, really? Well, Hebrews chapter 1, or chapter 11, verse 1 says, now faith is the substance of the thing hoped for, the evidence. 
You need evidence, you got a whole book full of it in your lap or in your Bible or in your phone, I mean. Scientists, lawyers, doctors, everyone else who is trained to only go by the evidence, you have a whole book full of evidence. It's the promises of Almighty God that are superior to the evidence in the natural. You're already trained to live by evidence. Just live by a higher form of evidence. I mean that. That's not hyper-preaching. That's what we're supposed to be doing. I have evidence in the natural. I also have evidence, God's faithfulness, in the supernatural. So when we feed ourselves with natural information, it literally feeds our fears and our doubt and unbelief grow. You feel a pain in your body? Oh, I know what that probably is. And immediately, your mind goes to the sickness that you're probably going to get. But faith is rooted in love. That's why I don't listen to commercials. I hate them because they're just pummeling our ears and our eyes with all this negative information. Faith is rooted in love. If Almighty God is almighty, all-present, and all-loving, and he has over 7,000 promises toward me, and he's madly in love with me, then I am expecting good things to happen to me. You see, faith is rooted in love, the love of God. My children, I hope, believe that I am for them and that I want good things for them and that I would do anything for them. Their faith is rooted in the love of their father. Faith is rooted in the love of the mother. We're supposed to have our faith rooted in our love for one another. That scripture we read that says, we love him because he first loved us. Some translations say we love one another because he first loved us. And the reason that translators go both ways is because both ways are true. We are to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. That's the way it is supposed to work. Now, we are called to love with the love of God. This love is supposed to be so superior that it goes way beyond our human love. And we're called to live like Jesus. What would Jesus do? We're supposed to love like him. The problem is most of us are not in touch with the love of Christ, and yet we're, but, but every day we wake up and we know that we're supposed to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. and we all know we are falling so woefully short of it, it just condemns us. It shames us. We just feel like, my gosh, I'm not even close to being the kind of Christian I'm supposed to be. Anybody else besides me willing to admit that? Raise your hands and say, yep, there's Jesus and there's me, <laughs> right? It's kind of like this. My neighbor just cut down like 20 cypress trees, these huge trees. He cut them all down, and these massive logs and trunks and branches are right over the fence, right over the, the, my fence. We share a fence. It's right over the chain link fence, and I see him right over there. And he said, you can have all that wood you want for your fireplace. I'm like, oh, my gosh, man, that's going to set us up for about 10 years. Now, imagine that huge, big pile of wood over there being my assignment to love unlovely people or to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I'm not in touch with the love of Christ I'm going to have to do it with all my love. That would be, this, is like the, this is like the smallest branch he's got going on over there. I mean, there are some that are just like this big. I mean, there's just piles of it. Now, imagine if I am going to take my little dinky love 
and I am going to have to cut all of that wood with this. I got to love God with all my heart, all my heart, oh my, and all my mind. I mean, every thought I'm supposed to think is supposed to be about how good God is. Oh my gosh. And all my emotions, I'm supposed to love God and all my strength. I'm supposed to love God. And, and, and love my neighbor. His dog comes and poops in my yard like every day and he won't do anything about it. I'm supposed to love my neighbor. That's crazy. You're supposed to love your neighbor as you love yourself. I'm supposed to love myself. I don't love myself. I hate myself. My gosh, man. There's so many things. I'm so far. You know, I got, I got a whole yard of wood I got to cut with this thing. You got rid of this dinky thing. Man, let's try this. I'll try this nice, rolled, rusty saw. Yeah. Love my neighbor as myself. Oh, my God. And love your wife like Christ loves the church. Oh, my gosh. Oh, she does is nag me. I can't do anything right. And I'm supposed to respect my husband the way the church respects Christ? Are you, forget about it. I'm not, not even going to not forget about it. Oh, and love your enemies. I'm out. Anybody else? <laughs> I'm out. But here's the good news. When you come to Christ, he trades in your little dinky love with his love. That's right. Get this bad boy out of here. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about right here. All right, here we go. Here we go. Seriously. Man, I've heard all sorts of sermons about the love of Christ and how it's a supernatural love. This thing didn't work. Man, my, my, my little love worked better than this love. It didn't work. Man, I've been going to church. I've been reading the Bible. Let's see what the manual says. Let's see. Let's see. The book of Ephesians. Says, okay, plug into power source. Uh, that's not necessary. Let me search. And go on. Remember, I gotta do it. God, look at this. Plug it into power source. I ain't got time for that. I gotta be on Instagram and Facebook, and I've gotta do the dishes, and I gotta go to work. I gotta watch football. I don't have time to be plugging it into the power source. I need to go to counseling. This isn't working for me. Anybody help me? How is this supposed to work? What? What? Oh, gosh, you guys are so annoying. Okay, I'll try it. Plug it in. I know, you're supposed to pray. You're supposed to be in the Bible. You're supposed to plug it in. This isn't going to work anymore. Whoa! That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's right. In fact, Mark gave a testimony this morning. He said there was a couple he was counseling, and things were really, really difficult in their marriage. And the person has been in church and hearing about the love of God. 
but it was almost hopeless. 20 years. And then the person just recently, this last week maybe, a couple weeks ago, encountered the love of Christ, completely changed him. The marriage is completely changed. And he said, I've heard it for 20 years, but until I received the love of Christ myself, you just don't know what they're talking about. He said, it is completely different. Can I hear an amen? amen. This is the Bible says. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And 2 Corinthians says, for it is Christ's love that fuels our passions and motivates us. I was listening to a couple of my, well, a couple of friends talk recently. And they were talking about the situation uh, where someone needed compassion. And my one friend just was not being compassionate at all. Just judgmental and critical and and my other friend said, you, you need to have some compassion in this situation. And my other friend said, I've looked for it. It's not there. <laughs> have you ever felt that way before as a Christian, right? I know I'm supposed to. I've looked, she said, I looked there in there and it's not there. And then she said, put some in me, would you? Like sarcastically. Well, he already has. This is what I'm trying to say. The love of Christ, the supernatural love of Christ is already inside of us. If you have given your life to him, he puts his supernatural love in us. So the question is, how do we get it out of us? How do we get that fire hose to flow? How do we get that power saw to run? And that's what I'm going to talk to you about right now. I'm going to begin with one of our favorite verses. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to work through this passage of Scripture backwards. We're going to back into it. Here's what the part we love to quote. Ephesians chapter 3 says, Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly. Let's all read this together. Do super more than all that we dare ask or think. Infinitely beyond our greatest hopes, hopes and dreams. According to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. Did you see that key phrase right in there? Do you see the cause and effect in this passage? He can do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. Say it out loud. According to the power that is at work within us. According to the power that is at work within us. It has to get out. Well, what power? Well, let's back up one verse in this passage. That you may be filled up through your being. I just, I just, I want to say this. I know it's a doubt statement. I cannot believe this verse. I cannot believe this is in the Bible. If I were to say this without you knowing the scripture, you would think I'm hyper preaching, over the top, exaggerating. But I'm not. I'm reading scripture. Look at what this says, that you may be filled up throughout your being with all the fullness of God. That's crazy. That's why drugs are so popular, because we want to fill throughout our being peace. That's why drugs are so popular, because what it makes us feel like throughout our being, and yet 
This is saying that we are designed to be filled up to all the fullness of God so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. That is crazy talk. That is what we are designed for. We just have to plug ourselves into the power source. That word, the fullness of God, it is the image of a cargo ship that's full of cargo and crew. It is a vision of a town where every home is occupied. The fullness of God is our destiny. It's what we're supposed to be experiencing now. But how? Well, let's back up one verse. Be fully capable, that you would be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the width, the length, the height, and the depth of his love. Fully experiencing that amazing, endless love. Let me tell you, ladies, you're going to meet a man and he's going to love you, but it's going to be limited. One of the lo- some of the loneliest people are not single people, it's married people. Because when you're single, you think I'm going to get married, and he or she's going to love me through and through, and all my emotional needs and psychological needs are going to be met by their, his or her love. And when it doesn't happen, because we are selfish beings, we're broken beings, we're limited beings, there's no way another human being can fill up another person, another human being's need for love. Because we were designed for God's supernatural, superhuman love. So when it doesn't touch you as deeply as we think it was supposed to when we said, I do at the altar, the disappointment, the loneliness, especially if the marriage is hard and bad and cold, is worse than when you were single. That should encourage some of you single folk to get married. You're just ready to run down that altar now. Point is, single or married, we all need the love of Christ. And it's with that love that we can love one another fully and completely. So many times, I'll be like, if I feel like I'm being a jerk to my wife, I know what to do. I go in my bedroom, I get on my knees, and I say, God, help me. And I feel his presence and his love come through me. And it changes, it softens my heart. It says you're being prideful. You need to humble yourself. You're plugging into the power source. She never has to do that because she is the love of God personified, but I need it. Let's keep reading this. Fully experiencing the amazing endless love and that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ, which far surpasses, far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. Christianity is not about explaining scripture, but experiencing the Savior. When Jesus came to the earth and he was talking to the religious teachers of his day, he said this to them. You search the scriptures, you memorize scripture, because in them you think you have eternal life. But they, the scriptures, point to me, but you won't come to me. 
The more scripture you know without knowing Jesus, the more religious you become. Judgmental, pharisaical, superior. You don't even know the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, seriously? Jesus would never say that unless he was talking to a Pharisee. The love he's talking about here that transforms us, that fills us up, is not a head knowledge. It is an experience. It's like if your daughter came to you and said, Mom, Dad, what's it like to be in love? It's like, well, I can tell you about it. You can even read a romance novel and read about somebody supposedly being in love. But until you experience it for yourself... There's no way you'll understand what I'm trying to tell you. And if they come to you and say, Mom, Dad, am I in love? You would say, well, the fact you have to ask, no. Because when you're in love, you know it because it's like you're drowning in these, 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 these emotions and these hormones. And you're like, you can't sleep because you're thinking about him or her. And, you know, you get these butterflies in, inside and, and you just, you know, it's just, it's just, I mean, when I'm trying to do premarital counseling, forget about it, you know. They're just sitting there looking at you, blinking, nodding their head like this. And you see, you see problems on the horizon, but they don't. It's like trying to explain to somebody what it's like to go on a roller coaster. Going down the roller coaster, and then it went around a circle like this, and my stomach was in my throat, and then I almost vomited. And it was like, wow, really? Yeah. And then somebody says, do you, do you know what it's like to be on a roller coaster? Yeah, because they told me. It's not until you vomit for yourself on a roller coaster <laughs> that you'll understand what love is, is my point. I know that there are times when I've tried to, like, if I feel my children are being ungrateful, I'll pull out pictures from Africa, back in where I've gone back in Africa, you know, and shown these, these, these people who are really poor. Like, look at these pictures. Literally, when they were young, I'd take them over to my computer and show them pictures of suffering people. Or how many of you tried this? Eat all that's on your plate because there are people that are starving in, in India. Did they, oh, my gosh, you're right. I'm going to eat all of this now. Has it ever worked? No. It wasn't until I took, Bella went to the third world with me, and she had to use their toilets. They don't have any until she had to eat their food, until we were in their huts, that she came back and we talked about now, how, is, how do you see things differently now? It's a real struggle to celebrate our prosperity when you have experienced other people's poverty, not just read about it. This is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the love of Christ, and this is the Holy Spirit's job, is to get us to a place where we are experiencing the love of Christ. So how can I be fully capable to comprehend the love of Christ because it's beyond our natural knowledge? Well, let's back up one more verse. And the Apostle Paul says this. I'm using the Passion Translation, who Pastor Josh has turned the whole church on to now. I can't stop reading the Passion Translation now. Thank you, Josh. So I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. And I pray, this is the Apostle Paul praying for the Christians, praying for the church. I pray, this is what I pray for you in my prayer time. I pray that he would unveil within you. See, it's already in you. I pray he would unveil, pull back the veil 
within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. See, Paul clearly has experienced it for him to be able to, for him to be praying this, for his people to experience this. He knows what's available to the believer. And he says, I get on my knees before God and pray that you'll experience this. He knows if you don't experience this, you're going to be trying to live Christianity with a rusty old Saul. The here, here's the here, look at this key next phrase. Then, by constantly using your unbelief, by constantly using your doubt, by constantly using your fear, no, by constantly using your the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you. And the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Ah, uh, I have so much more to say about this, but I'm out of time. Let me cap this by saying this. And then we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to do this in us. Paul was praying that the Holy Spirit would do this in you and I, that he would pull back the veil. That's the number one way you and I will experience the love of Christ is by the Holy Spirit pulling back the veil of our natural minds so that we can see. There's a scripture we quote in Christendom, which I hate with every fiber of my being when it's only quoted halfway. I hate it because it locks believers into this pathetic, begging, spiritually blind state. We quote it the way I'm about to quote it because we think it magnifies God when we reduce ourselves. He doesn't need any more magnification. We don't need any more reduction. It's very clear that he's big and we're small. But we like to continually minimize ourselves so he becomes greater and greater. And this is what I'm talking about. For no eye has seen or ear has heard, nor has it entered the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. We're like, yes, that's right. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor does it ever enter the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Do you know what the next word is in that passage? But! Conjunction, junction, what's your function, Right? It's a conjunction. The sentence isn't over yet. It's a, it's, a, it's a contrast conjunction, participle, whatever you call it. But he has revealed them to us by his spirit. How could we leave that off? It's horrible teaching. Lord, have mercy. There we, people have tried to sing it here at the Gathering Place Church, and I just rebuked them. It wasn't you, Josh. I said, we're not singing that. I was not seen, ears not heard. We're going to sing, but he has revealed them to us by his spirit. 
The other way we experience his love is through encounters with his love when you're forgiven and you don't deserve it. Those who have been forgiven much, love much. And the other way is when you experience his love through those around you. When hope went through cancer, the love that poured out on us through this congregation was part of the healing for her and for me. We experienced the love of Christ through you, and it changed us. It took us to a whole other place of compassion and graciousness and wanting to love others. I mean, the compassion that is broken open at Hope is just ridiculous now. It's really annoying. And its, and it's, and its target is now animals. I put my foot down on the pig. We've got a blind dog. We've got a rescue puppy who, if you look at it, it runs out of the room. We've got another cat upstairs that I see once a year. We have another cat that destroys the house. She wants us to get a three-legged dog and a pig. And I just drew a line in the sand and said, no. And so, like, daily she sends me pig videos. I'm like, no. No money is too much. No, no, there's no expense that is beyond her when it comes to animals. I mean, we have this pathetic animal that sleeps between us in bed now. I mean, it's over. It's over. But it broke open in her when she went through suffering. The Bible says the God of compassion will comfort you and I when we suffer. And with the compassion we've experienced, we will then have compassion on others. It's a real deal. Sometimes you get through suffering. But the first place it begins to open up is through the Holy Spirit. So can we all stand and let's come to the Holy Spirit this morning and let's just confess how short we have, how short we are with our human love and our human faith and our human everything. When we're called to a supernatural love. So let's just, these representing us, let's just stop putting our hope and our faith and our own human love, our own human faith, our own human wisdom, our own human patience, our own human self-control, and let's come to the Holy Spirit and say, Spirit of the living God, we need your supernatural love. I'm going to lead you into prayer right now. I'm going to ask you to sincerely pray this to the Holy Spirit. And then let's let him do what a preacher can't do and what you can't do. And let's ask him to begin doing this. Would you please follow me in this prayer? You need to pray for you to the Holy Spirit right now. Say, Spirit of God. My love is so limited, it fails me every day. That's why I'm coming to you right now. And I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, break open your supernatural love in me now. Your love for me. your love for others through me. Now 
say this truly. Say, I need you. I need your supernatural love. Save me from myself. Let me experience your supernatural love. Josh leads us in the song. Just marinate, marinate in that right now. And some of you just got to let your walls down now and let God lead anyway. As we sing this song, this is your moment of breakthrough. Just, I'm going to let you love me just as I am. Look, I want you to say that with me. Say this out loud. Jesus, I'm going to let you love me just as I am.